Welcome back to the Movie Bible Podcast. This week, you've got Nick and Brennan as they're breaking down the opening weekend for Good Boys, Where'd You Go Bernadette, 47 Meters Down, Uncaged, and Blinded by the Light. And remember, you can always check us out online at moviebiblereviews.com. Okay, breaking down this weekend's box office, we have Good Boys opening in number one with approximately $21.4 million. Then following that, we had Hobbs and Shaw with $14.2 million. Um, after that is The Lion King, still putting in really solid business with $12.3 million. And then in the fourth spot is The Angry Birds Movie 2 with about ten point four. And then lastly in the top five, we have a return here with Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark with a shade over $10 million. Um, So first here we have Good Boys, which it's actually a really solid opening for this movie. Um, $21 million, it comes from um, Seth Rogen and his writing partner, Evan Goldberg, uh, kind of saw this project through production. There are producers on the film. Um, it's obviously a pretty good um, elevator pitch of a movie. You have a bunch of little kids doing doing gross out shit um that's makes really makes for a really good trailer um and i'm not really surprised to see this movie do well what do you think uh you know what i i uh i think that this is a movie that could have either uh gone one or two ways and it obviously went the better way i thought this movie would would make decent cash i just didn't know it would be able to get over that 15 to 20 million dollar hump but it did and $21.4 million in its opening weekend is really solid, and it's already made back its budget. Uh, now it'll, it'll just kind of shoot for making back what they spent in marketing, and it'll probably uh, do pretty well at exceeding that. I feel like this is a movie that we'll, we'll see next weekend how it kind of drops off, but I have a, a good feeling that this movie will have uh, some stamina. Yeah, I think so too. And so this movie, interestingly enough, actually opened pretty closely to um, – one of Universal's films last year, which was Blockers, which was pretty well received and uh, ended up grossing around a hundred million um, worldwide, a little below that, about ninety-four. Um, so it looks, it appears that um, Good Boys is kind of on the same track. They had some pretty similar cinema scores, B plus, and I believe, um, I believe Blockers was right around the same, probably B, uh, B, B plus area. So um, yeah, it's really, it's, it just shows kind of like I mentioned earlier, just what a really solid premise kind of does for a, a movie. I mean, I mean, you can even, you can huff and whatever at the movie where little kids do gross shit <laughs> over and over again, but it definitely draws attention. Um, and I think that's something that it's really hard because comedies are just, it's really hard to sell comedies these days. And, We've been talking about that for a while where studio comedies are just really tough and even great ones like um, Game Night or even Blockers like made some money, but not crazy amounts. So it is um, we are seeing a lot of these movies kind of have to rely on just really high concept and then word of mouth after that. So like you mentioned, where um, comedies, there's always that that comedy drop off where you hope that it's maybe around like 30 percent. 30, 40% uh, week to week is a sign of a really solid comedy that's hitting some type of chord with audiences. Um, so yeah, we'll see, we'll see where that goes. Um, it's, it's definitely a very good start for good boys. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is, it is a very solid start. I think that 
uh, overseas, this is a movie that I don't really know how it, it would do. I mean, I don't know how many markets it's out in so far, so I think we'll have to wait to see uh, for overseas numbers in the coming weeks. But I feel like this is the type of movie that'll make uh, the most uh, or make more of its money, so to speak, here in North America. So it'll definitely be banking off kind of the next few weekends. It it seems like a really solid kind of. Saturday night movie to just go out and see though this is a it's a film that is going to be probably bringing in money I mean as you said it needs to it needs to see a good drop off next weekend it needs to see a good small drop off next weekend if it really wants to be kind of a, a big uh, comedy hit yeah it's it, that's tough and that kind of goes back to what I was saying before where it's just it's these comedies are really hard to kind of become a breakaway hit because and it's comedy works on works a lot on dialogue and focuses in on that, which um, for some for some nations and some countries and it's just that's just not going to translate. That's just really hard to cross over. So, and it's it's kind of the inverse of what we're seeing in the movie industry, where a lot of these big budget movies are they're really banking on that overseas gross, and a lot of movies are kind of curtailing like a lot of what they're doing to overseas um countries um just just nations around the world and it's it is and it's just tough to see where all these comedies are just more and more reliant on the domestic box office um to succeed but uh we'll see i think this is really start i mean it's a really good start yeah got yeah it got its budget back already um, yeah so it's yeah legs we'll see what happens uh with good boys going forward but it's a really good start um yeah and then Moving on, we have um, Hobbs and Shaw once again. Um, kind of another solid drop here in the U.S. Uh, 40, uh, 44% um, raking in raking in the dough. It's starting to expand over overseas as well. Um, it has its China release uh, this week, this coming this coming weekend. So we'll see. We'll be able to report on that next week. But yeah, really solid for here as well. A Two hundred million dollar budget. It's already grossed. About four hundred and forty million worldwide. Uh, what do you make to Hobbs and Shaw? Um, you know what? I think after the first weekend for this film, it made sixty million dollars domestically. I wasn't too sure, but now we're kind of seeing it's it's expanding overseas. It's making its money, and the fact that it has four hundred and forty million dollars without really opening up in uh, the mainland in China, um, that's huge because uh, they're going to be near four hundred and fifty million by the time that it actually drops. Uh, this week and it's just going to explode money wise over there if it's able to even do 50 percent of uh the last two fast and furious movies of what they did in china this thing will be up over 600 uh to 700 million dollars it's definitely going to be fine and uh china is really going to help it out but uh, how much will it help it out we'll see if it's able to be just as big of a hit in china as the last two fast and furious films this movie will be huge if it's uh kind of able to do solid numbers over there it's still gonna be profitable and make its money yeah and i think a really good omen for that is the movie opened in south korea this week and had a franchise record uh in south korea with 15 million uh so i think that's just really solid and like we've said it many times before the fast and furious franchise is always a global play and we're seeing kind of like what we saw with the Transformers movies where the domestic grosses keep going down but the international grosses keep going up um, so this is, this is just another, this is an international play and well, we're seeing that slowly, um, work out for them because, 
it's it's tough to base this movie. We saw it sixty million in the U.S. opening weekend, like you mentioned, and that doesn't look great against that two hundred million dollar budget. But this was definitely a slow play, and we're kind of seeing that work out already. It's already made two over two times its uh, production budget. So, yeah, really solid start for Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah, for sure. One more kind of thing to touch there. Um, the last two Fast and Furious films both made just shy of four hundred million in China alone. So I'm not 100% sure uh, how this movie is going to play out. Um, but w- what's your take on uh, the China gross for this film? Where do you think it'll land kind of in perspective, uh, putting into perspective that the last two Fast and Furious films were kind of just shy $400 million? Yeah, it's it's tough. To, it's really tough to say. Um, but I think the one thing is worth, worth noting is that Hobbs and Shaw def- definitely is tracking behind a lot of the previous Fast and Furious movies, um, which is probably to be expected. Um, not the, mm-hmm. the whole crew isn't there to spin off, um, it's, but it's still doing well. It has The Rock. Um, the Rock is really big in China, which is one thing to note here. Um, yep. I would definitely say, I think if it's, if it's anything under 200 million, where that's definitely a really bad sign. Uh, but I would say probably around 300 million, I think is a pretty reasonable bet. What do you think? Yeah, I think uh, I would say definitely from around 200 to uh, 300, which is kind of a big range, but I think that on the low end of things, and it's probably going to make around 200 on the kind of uh, more positive side of things, a little over 300. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's so hard to project these things. And I, I don't envy people who have, to do box office tracking for a living. That's just really hard, really hard. And everyone scrutinizes everything you say. But I think one thing that um, I will say is that by the time that uh, uh, Hobson show opens in China next week, we will probably, we will definitely see fast and furious cross uh, the half a billion mark and be well on its way to 600 million, which for a movie like this, that's, that's a bona fide hit. You're doing really well with those kind of numbers. Yep. Um, yeah, so moving on there to a movie I don't really have much to say about, but it's still doing crazy business, is The Lion King, uh, which came in a third spot this week. Uh, another really solid drop of 39%. Uh, this movie is going to pass $500 million, uh, at the domestic box office, probably by the time you listen to this podcast. Uh, that's just crazy to think about it's already passed 1.4 billion worldwide uh that's that's just nuts a lot of crazy crazy numbers for disney once again yep not much to say it's just it's making its money and i think uh, we're gonna look back in the summer and and kind of deem this film as kind of the king of the summer so to speak yep king of the jungle king of the summer uh (laughs) there's not really much to say about lion king we've talked about this movie to death uh it's just doing really solid for disney um, and we'll so from there we'll move on to a new release for the week, uh, Angry Birds movie two, uh, which just really did not open well when you compare it to the original Angry Birds movie. Um, the original uh, grossed a, about uh, thirty eight million in its first three days, uh, with, and when you compare that that to Angry Birds movie two, which grossed about 16 million in its first week. It opened uh, a little early on uh, Wednesday. Uh, so even then it's still pretty poor business. Uh, what do you make of Angry Birds? Um, you know what? I think it's a shame a little bit because I mean, the fact that 
we're discussing an Angry Birds movie is kind of weird in itself <laughs> because I remember uh, when this was just an app and just a game, and now look at the world we live in. They're, uh, the games we play on our phones have turned to movies. <laughs> um, but I think it's a little bit of a shame because it seems like they worked a lot harder on this film. Uh, the movie... Um, uh, review-wise and just critically has been kind of uh, acclaimed a lot more than the original. Uh, Rotten Tomato scores are up. Uh, the Metacritic scores are up. Fan scores are up of people that have seen it. Uh, but not a lot of people are seeing this movie. And uh, the opening weekend is peanuts compared to what they made with the first film. It's not a good sign. They're going to definitely need to rely on the overseas totals. And that might be what helps them because you look at the first Angry Birds movie, it made $245 million overseas uh, compared to just $107 million here domestically. They're barely going to probably make $50 million domestically with this film. They need that overseas money, and they have a decently small budget here, um, a budget of only uh, $65 million on this thing, plus kind of probably what they put into it um, uh, marketing-wise. They're definitely going to need to probably get around $200 million at least worldwide. And I mean, I think it's another failure for sony it's sad because they were on a decent role there with into the spider-verse but sony animation uh they're struggling a little bit yeah it's they they were on a bit of a hot streak there and they've actually been one of the more successful non-pixar animation arms which is kind of crazy to say when we considering we always talk about just how bad sony does in general they really struggle and have some really high profile bombs but they they did a smart thing here the the original movie the original Angry Birds movie was $73 million budget, so they actually cut that a little bit for this time around, which yeah, is pretty, it's pretty smart. Yeah, keeping it in check, um, kind of it decreases your your risk, And but it's, it's just funny to think about. So the Angry Birds game uh, for originally came out at, in December of 2009, so that kind of gives you like the, the time frame for when people played it. Um, so... The first movie was really striking while the iron was just incredibly cold to begin with. Um, by yeah. that time, just no one was playing the game anymore. Um, it was just bizarre to even see that movie, but it did well. You know, maybe there was it was coasting on some type of mini nostalgia. Maybe uh, it's, it came out right when no one was playing it anymore, so people, everyone. But it was still part of the lexicon in a sense, so everyone thought, hey, like Angry Birds, I don't know, this looks fun, let's go see it. Um, but now just, that's just Angry Birds is a thing of the past. We move so fast now, it's it's just really hard to make a, base a movie off a game or video game anymore. It's, it's, it's just tough, I just don't see anything, like, I don't see any success for this movie moving forward, uh, it'll probably make a decent amount of money uh just as you mentioned overseas and you know kids are uh, it's just easy it's probably an easy movie for parents to bring their kids to um but they're also going back to school too so this might have been a bad time to release it um i don't know mm -hmm. it's just it's it's a quirky release and it's just yeah it's not doing very well <laughs> no yeah but well, we will move on from there to a movie that actually is performing pretty well, which is Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, uh, which opened up last week very solidly with a, a little over tw uh, 20 million. And this week has 10 million, which 
is a pretty is pretty solid as far as horror uh, movie uh, drops go. Considering even amongst the hardcore fans, the people see them once and that's about it. And we talk about this all the time. But a fifty two percent drop is actually pretty solid for this movie for a movie that actually opened really well. Um, so we have a movie. It's budgeted at twenty five million and it's already made over 54 million worldwide so it's a really it's a tidy little hit that it's turning into for Lionsgate yeah it'll probably hit that kind of magic 2.5 number of uh, kind of 2.5 times your budget to make money back it'll probably hit that that um, number in the coming weeks for sure but I'm impressed with this film I saw it and I enjoyed it uh, it didn't blow me away um, uh, I enjoyed this film though but but uh, just to have a 52% drop in your second weekend, kind of in a crowded box office with a ton of movies kind of getting thrown at you, um, that's pretty good. And I was kind of, I wasn't underwhelmed, but last weekend it made about $20 million or so, right? And I, I thought, you know what, that's not bad, um, but I thought they needed more. But with this healthy kind of 52% drop this weekend, $10 million domestically thrown in there, they're going to be opening up in their last few uh, foreign markets next week over the next week to two weeks actually um i think they'll be fine and they're kind of making some decent money and it it seems like a solid uh little august hit yeah for sure uh it's it's one of those things that i think it's definitely gonna have to make its money in the next two weeks because then we have it chapter two coming out which is just going to destroy everything and you figure that there's quite a bit of overlap in the in terms of the people that would see these kind of movies there um pretty much because you Scary Stories is just literally just aping off the back of it in many ways with younger mm-hmm. kids, kind of a period piece, and crazy monsters coming to life. It, there's a ton of similarities there. Um, so it is it is interesting. We're gonna have to. It's gonna have to make a ton of money if it wants to become a really solid hit for Lionsgate in a time where not a lot of not a lot is coming out. I mean, we'll we'll talk about it next week, but next week is Angel Has Fallen. And Ready or Not, which is actually a very interesting uh, little indie movie that I'm looking forward to, but it's certainly not going to be a massive breakout hit. Uh, so, and then after that is Labor Day, which Labor Day weekend, where just nothing comes out. <laughs> just, mm-hmm. Hollywood has rejected releasing movies that weekend for quite some time now, so nothing really comes there, and it seems like it's it's a self-sustaining cycle of nothing comes and people don't go to the theater. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how it holds that week, but yeah, it's, what do you, what do you make of this movie moving forward? Where do you see it kind of ending up? And do you think it'll be a pretty decent hit in the end? Uh, in the end, I think that it will be fine. I think that this movie will probably, uh, finish around maybe just shy of a hundred million dollars. Uh, so, so I think they'll be all right, but you're right. They need to make that money before you see it. Chapter two hit theaters because that, because that's a movie that's going to break a hundred million dollars uh, first weekend at least, right? We're going to be seeing huge money come in from that movie. Plus it being a horror film, it's a horror movie and it's a blockbuster horror movie. So it's, it's huge. So yeah, it's definitely going to need to kind of make its money soon. And then, uh, then we'll see what happens from there. But yeah, Labor Day weekend's an interesting one because there was actually talk yesterday i don't know if you heard about this but um spider-man far from home getting a re-release <laughs> with with a deleted scene or, or yeah with a footage that wasn't shown in the first cut kind of getting thrown in um i think that this is just them trying to get to that 
$400 million mark because you see right now Spider-Man's sitting at around $376 million domestically. You know, as you always say, I know it's kind of a Sony-Marvel-Disney partnership, but Disney likes the round numbers, right? And I don't know. It's It, it seems a little bit um, lazy on for me, in my opinion. But uh, if that does happen, that kind of throws something else into the mix. Um, but sort of getting back to scary stories, I think it'll be fine in the end. But what's your take on that, though? Uh, the Spider-Man kind of re-released the talk of that. I don't know for sure if they'll do it, but there is there has been a little bit of talk of that. Yeah, it it makes a lot of sense. You mentioned it, considering just Disney's strategy in general, and I'm sure Sony, in the wake of Angry Birds movie two, uh, they're going to try to get out, squeeze out as much money out of Spider-Man as they can in its theatrical mm-hmm. release, because. I mean, it's already been a really crazy hit and the highest grossing Spider-Man movie ever. But they, they're gonna, they're gonna just, they're gonna keep getting, they're gonna drain that until they can't anymore uh, if it's money. Um, but it, it's that is an interesting little quirk, if you will, because it's just, yeah, nothing comes out uh, this time of year uh, of note or any that has a lot of push behind it from studios. So that is a really interesting idea, um, and we've we've seen it maybe kind of with Endgame before, which re-released um, with extra l- little scenes and the end credits and things like that. So I'm curious if this is a, just a new strategy moving forward uh, for Disney and all of their properties as they just try to eke out as much money as possible. <laughs> it's funny because it seems like pretty greedy behavior for movies that already make a shit ton of money. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of it. If- if it becomes the norm um uh i don't don't know i was i was remember a few months ago we were thinking like uh, labor day would be the time where they bring back endgame but they did that instead kind of as a lead up to spider-man so i mean we'll see what happens i hope it's not the new norm i hope it's kind of another one-off uh but if they see that they can make a little bit of money from this re-release just enough uh and and it's and it's not really going to hurt them on future projects uh kind of in a PR um, side of things, then they're going to keep doing it, I think. And I, I hope that's not the case just because I think there's a lot of problems with that. Uh, for a big movie like Endgame, I get it. I think they can handle that re-release in the wrong way, but I would get that. But for this, I don't know. I, I see it from a uh, from a fiscal side of things for Sony, but I just don't think this is uh, kind of a good move for uh, big big studios to be doing. Yeah, and it's it's really interesting because this news kind of comes on the backs uh, on the back of uh, uh, Disney's pretty um, tumultuous uh, earnings call that they had uh, for the previous quarter, uh, where revenues were very far down in their entertainment se- sector, and mostly because a lot of the Fox movies just tanked really hard <laughs> that they acquired, like Dark Phoenix and Stuber and. Just all these <laughs> other movies. Just remember Stuber? I don't think anyone's talked about that <laughs> it's, since it's no, released. I saw it. <laughs> uh, so did I. Don't remember much about it. It's it sucks to say, but it's this is this is definitely new waters for Disney as they're trying to figure out kind of what they want to do moving forward. I mean, obviously they have a ton of IP to play with, and they have their streaming service coming out later this year. Um, but I think we're gonna see a lot from them just kind of just trying, trying new things and doing these little re-releases and just trying to see what works. Um, Cause Lord knows they have a lot of debt to pay off <laughs> after this, uh, after this purchase. 
Uh, so it's yeah, like you said, I don't, I don't, I don't really care for this either. Um, I would like, I mean, I'm, it's not gonna completely steal the spotlight from other smaller movies trying to to get their money, but it it's, it does feel a little cheap. I mean, Spider Man Far From Home, you made already, you made over a billion dollars already. Like, just you've had your time. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, yeah, exactly. It's it's could, it's it's definitely really weird. I could picture uh, Disney kind of doing a because Labor Day you always see movies kind of have a little uptick. You see movies that uh, the past weekend they they were on a downward uh, trend, and then Labor Day weekend you see a little bit of bumps because people go out to theaters. It's a long weekend. I could see Disney uh, throwing in like a, a four movie package for uh, uh, Lion King, Aladdin, Endgame, and Spider Man kind of for a weekend, uh, like at a decent cost. I feel like. Uh, I could see them doing that just to kind of rinse out all the money they can from those films. Yeah, they they love doing these crazy double features uh, just out of nowhere, just to make money. Um, yeah, like Disney just tries everything, and part of me I really appreciates that from a business perspective because they're just always trying new things and. Fiscally, that's just very responsible for the long-term health of your business to keep uh, tinkering and, and not get complacent. But the artistic, um, cynical side of me just says, like, come on already. Like, I'd like to see these other smaller movies and maybe see them get uh, showtimes and big multiplexes. Uh, so, yeah, it's definitely something to monitor. It's a very interesting discussion. Um, but that kind of pivots... Um, actually pretty well to a conversation that I really wanted to have this week was just with just smaller movies just smaller movies in general and it kind of ties into this box office as well because we had three smaller movies kind of open outside of the top five which one of them was 47 meters down and caged which um, <laughs> opened which uh, it's not going to win any awards that's for sure uh, open to 8.4 million on a 12 million dollar budget which isn't disastrous but 47 Meters Down was an interesting little hit for the studio that I still think the name sounds like a front for some criminal enterprise, which is Entertainment <laughs> Entertainment Studios Motion Pictures. Um, that's, that's just interesting. Uh, interesting name. Very bold. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Uh, and then from there, we had Blinded by the Light, which was, a, which was the most uh, lucrative... Uh, Sundance purchase earlier this year. Uh, Warner Brothers and uh, New Line Cinema bought it at Sundance for 15 million. Uh, didn't do so hot in its opening weekend. It's 4.3 million. And we also have Annapurna's uh, Where'd You Go, Bernadette, uh, new Richard Linklater film starring Kate Blanchett and Billy Crudup and Kristen Wiig, which opened to based just under. Yeah, that's best selling best selling novel. Um, only opened to a little less than 3.5 million, which is tough. Um, what, it's just tough to kind of see all these smaller films really struggle. Um, I mean, just looking at 47 Meters Down, I mean, it's a schlocky movie. Uh, it was never yeah. it was never going to win any awards or go after anything very critical, but the first movie was a hit. People enjoyed it. They found some fun in it, um, and this movie just vastly underperformed, and we have this interesting movie, Blinded by the Light, which is based off of uh, Bruce Springsteen's music. Uh, I had a chance to see this movie, and it's very sweet and heartwarming, and it just it plays to a big crowd. With you get to blared Springsteen music, and there's really heartfelt 
moments and just a lot of really true emotion and you really feel it. And there's a lot of people crying in my theater at the end. People really connected with it. Um, cinema score for it is really high. And then we have Where'd You Go, Bernadette, which is, uh, like I said, Richard, Richard Linklater's new film. Probably many people would consider him one of the best uh, working directors today. Um, the Before Trilogy and Boyhood and all these wonderful transcendent movies that a lot of people love. Um, and this movie struggled as well. And it's it's very interesting to kind of see where these smaller movies try to fit into the landscape of it all. Um, we, we've It kind of seems like we've seen many, just far too many smaller movies just really struggle this summer. Um, what, do you, what do you make of all this? Do you think this is, obviously we're seeing uh, big blockbuster movies kind of dominate everything, but do you, th- what do you make of this trend? Um, firstly, just kind of going down the line here, I think 47 meters down uncaged is not going to reach the $44 million domestically that the first one did, but where this movie benefits is the first film didn't have a foreign release. So 47 meters down uncaged kind of has unlocked foreign markets and will make money overseas. So I think that's a huge benefit to what they're doing here. Um, But still 8.4 million, not a huge haul. It's less than the first one. The primary rule has to be you make as much money as the first release in in your franchise. Or it's kind of it's kind of silly even just to have kind of more movies it's tough to say that though i blinded by the light not a film that i went out to see but a movie that i want to see uh, i thought i had a good trailer good premise um and kind of good feedback from you there it's tough to see it do as bad as it did i thought it would do better but we have such a crowded box office right now and i'm i'm the guy that says i th- i think different release dates would benefit certain movies i think especially angry birds movie 2 um would have done way better in a different time uh the first film was a hit as you said moderate hit uh it it came out in may now things are different i mean you look back at may of this year we had a little bit of a more crowded schedule in there um so so it's kind of just where you can squeeze your movie in late august is not a smart spot to squeeze your movie in only good boys has really found success kind of and good boys isn't a small movie by any means but it's not a huge blockbuster but that movie struck a chord um, all these other movies are just really, really unlucky and are really not that they didn't find their audience. And who knows? I think maybe down the road, some of these movies might be able to find their audience. But uh, it's a trend that sucks. And that's another reason I don't want to see all these bigger movies come back and get re-released literally two months after they came out, because you want to see these smaller movies get a little bit more, uh, get a little bit more time in the limelight, get a little bit more uh, notice. So, so it is a little bit upsetting to see, and uh, these are the types of movies that even if um, you don't, even if you're not kind of connected to the franchise, or they don't have your favorite character uh, in cinema, they don't have Iron Man. <laughs> I think that you need to give them a shot, and you got to go out and you got to you got to see them because there are a lot of hidden gems out there that um, I think people miss out on. Yeah, the, when I was looking at these numbers this week it one thing really spoke to me that it is just really hard to market a movie these days if it it's not marvel if it's not some crazy blockbuster based on an ip it is really difficult these days because i mean i i don't envy tv critics because 
there's just so much so much new TV from all these streaming platforms that they have to cover and things like that, and it's it's just wild, and it's kind of the same thing with with movies as well. There's just so much out there. I mean, Netflix shits out a rom com every week. It seems like, and mm-hmm. um, it's it's just so hard to make your mark. And I think we're seeing with like the rise of Blumhouse in the last few years, and even the success of Good Boys and other movies like it. It it really helps to have that high concept premise where you can just explain the movie in a sentence or two and everyone knows what it is and it sounds very interesting um kind of like like good boys it's young kids um do really gross sexual shit um they get into some shenanigans and that's kind of the movie it's simple uh looks it's a lot lot of great comedic possibilities there uh it's it you can understand it very quickly whereas something like where do you go birdinette birdette it's how do you describe that movie to someone in passing? It's like, oh, Kate Blanchett um, plays Bernadette. She's a she's an architect who uh, really um, is kind of struggling with her creative passion. She was used to be one of the biggest uh, people in the industry, like, and it just goes from there. Like, it's it's very hard to describe some of these movies sometimes, and um, it's hard to make that into an interesting trailer and grab people's attention sometimes. Um, it's just. It's very difficult. If your marketing team isn't top notch, it is just very difficult to even just get back your budget these days. For sure, and I think that I, I uh, commend studios that take on a little bit of debt for some of these projects, just because they really believe in the filmmaker. I think that's a really important thing, but it's something that isn't going to happen all the time. And I think that you're going to start seeing um, directors and filmmakers really really shoot movies on small 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 budgets um a movie like where do you go bernadette blinded by the light these movies probably didn't cost a ton to make but i think we're going to see them cost even less and less to make as time goes on and i and uh i don't know what the outcome will be in terms of the actual project with a smaller budget but it's it's not always great uh but it, it i think we're going to see a lot more creativity behind the scenes stuff that obviously the viewers are not going to be able to see, but uh, just in terms of dollars, it sucks to see films like this kind of slip under. I hope that they have all right legs. I, I doubt they will, but I hope they find their audience at some point. And I hope all the people that uh, made this movie a uh, bestseller, uh, check it out. <laughs> or uh, I hope people that just, just enjoy seeing a good movie and, and just want to go and have a good time, go see Blinded uh, by the Light because I'm hearing a lot of good things. Yeah, and, and another thing I want to touch on with Where'd You Go, Bernadette, which, I mean, I saw this movie, I didn't really like it, um, which is, it kind of goes against what we're talking about here, but um, you get, it, it's just, it's crazy to think that a movie, I mean, we, we don't live in a world of movie stars and things like that, that really drive box office, but this movie has Kate Blanchett and Billy Crudup, and it's directed by Richard, Richard Linklater, um, like you said, based off of a novel. You would think that this movie would do something box office wise if it's smart about its budget and things like that. But it just, it kind of speaks to the struggles that Annapurna has had as a, as a studio. And they've done some of the more, more fascinating movies of this past decade, whether they produced or distributed them. Um, they've been behind movies like the master. Uh, they produced that one or last year's if Beale street could talk or sorry to bother you or um, even earlier this year, book smart, uh, 
all these really interesting movies that have, and some of them just really, really struggled. Um, and it's, this is also kind of on the back of Annapurna who's, there's been rumors that they are very close to bankruptcy, um, which is just really troubling in a time where just studios, uh, just are condensing and forming together and aligning with bigger conglomerates. Like even, uh, I talk on this podcast all the time about something like A24, which I is a studio I love, but even they've partnered with Apple, with whatever Apple's doing with content um, mm -hmm. in the next in the next time ever so many years. So um, it's it's very interesting to kind of see some of these movies struggle, and uh, th that's not to say that this is the death of mid to low budget movies, and that's not what this conversation is meant to be. It's just it is tough when you see these th movies like even like Blind by the Light, which is based off of Bruce Springsteen's just renowned music where that's touched generations. And uh, you would think that something like that has a serious amount of broad appeal. Um, and I hope that movie does really well with word of mouth in the coming weeks. But it's it's just tough. It's we've, we're saying it over again. It's just really annoying. It's frustrating to see this. Yeah, I know. And it's it's tough uh, just just overall, because. August is not it's a month that's interesting interesting for movies because um it is a month where studios will throw movies that they weren't super confident about uh they'll throw movies in August uh because June, July, May, April even now they're very competitive months and August is always extremely crowded and it's it's sometimes tough to kind of sneak through there and find your audience in the month of August so Yet again, I think release date is is a huge thing, but you never know. I mean, the fall is always super crowded with uh, a lot of the uh, awards contender films, and now even a few blockbuster movies land in August or sorry in uh, in the fall. Last year, we saw Venom come out in October. That's a movie that made over eight hundred million worldwide, and it came out in October. That's not something you always see. And you know, uh, Marvel the last few years has slotted in November as kind of one of the regulars now. Um, I mean, this year they don't have anything in November, but it's getting more crowded with the bigger movies. Uh, just overall, I think release date has a lot to do with uh, some of these smaller movies not doing so well in August. It's just such a tough time to kind of come out and be competitive, and there's really only a few movies that break out. I mean, you even look at last summer, The Meg kind of broke out as an August hit. Uh, it didn't make crazy money, but it kind of broke out the way we're seeing Hobbs and Shaw kind of breaking out. Crazy Rich Asians made great money last August. Good Boys is probably not going to have the same legs Crazy Rich Asians did because that movie had great legs, but Good Boys kind of follows that vein. Um, so, I mean, we're going to see a lot of small movies not do well in August, no matter the year, I think. Yeah, it's the Hollywood is in constant flux, but I feel like the last few years have been increasingly tough for decision makers and people who greenlight movies. It's just I'm very fascinated moving forward to see what uh, Brittany Runs a Marathon does, which is a new movie from Amazon Studios that's going to be releasing in a few theaters uh, this coming weekend in New York and L.A. and it'll be expanding over the next couple of weeks. And I'm fairly certain it's going to be nationwide uh, September 13th. Um, that's another Amazon Studios movie who um, it's coming off the backs of Late Night, which um, came out earlier this year, which um, also seemed to be a bit of a crowd pleaser. Um, it definitely plays out that way and 
has really interesting stars, Mindy Kaling and Emma Thompson. And that movie didn't perform as well as Amazon, Amazon Studios would have liked. Um, obviously, Amazon Studio, Amazon isn't going anywhere. <laughs> they're going to be in. They're going to be around way after I leave this earth. <laughs> it's, they're going to be around for forever. Um, yeah. But it's it's tough because you'd think something like Late Night um, is kind of playing towards the biggest audience possible. It's not something like High Life, which is just very obtuse and just tough to think about and you have to ponder over. Like, no, it's 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 pretty much popcorn entertainment. And um, it's kind of the same thing with Britney Runs a Marathon, which I saw at Sundance earlier this year. It was actually the last film I saw at the at the festival. And it's it's a wonderful film and it'll probably be one of my favorites of the year. It's if not definitely in my honorable mentions, it is just really great and thoughtful. And it's Jillian Bell's probably her, my favorite performance of hers. It's really great. Um, but I'm, I'm very interested to see how that movie does. So I feel like it'll be a, a litmus test of sorts for movies moving forward. Cause I think it, it is such a crowd pleasing movie. I, I firmly believe if people see it, well, word of mouth will be crazy on it, and it'll, it has a chance to be a really solid breakout hit. Um, but like we said, it's really tough for these smaller movies to break out these days. Um, so <laughs> I, I would, have, I have no idea. I don't even want to put numbers on it because I could. I'm probably going to be way wrong on it. Yeah, it'll be tough to kind of bet on that movie. I think that's a movie that needs the word of mouth, as you said, because we're going to see a midweek release this week, Ready or Not. Uh, we're going to see Angel Has Fallen next week. Overcomer also is coming out next weekend, which is a film that is um, uh, kind of one of the more Christian-based movies that'll come out next weekend. Uh, all the new releases this weekend. I mean, it's going to be such a crowded weekend uh, next weekend. But as you said, Brittany runs a marathon. I think it's smart that they're going to kind of put it in limited uh, and then kind of wean it out and expand it over the coming weeks. I think that's the best way to do this film. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how it does. And I've heard a lot of great things as well. And uh, kind of what you said about it, it kind of gets me excited. So I'm really looking forward to it and I hope it does well. And I hope it does find its audience and, and uh, kind of break through uh, in September. Yeah. Uh, I really love that movie. Uh, it's really great. Um, I, don't really see any difference between that and any other rom-com that's been really successful in the last few years. Uh, it's, it's really great and wears its heart on its sleeve and it's, it's just really wonderful and funny and I really loved it. Uh, and a lot of critics seem to feel the same way because it's getting great reviews. Um, but we'll see. It's just something to keep an eye on here uh, as we kind of move, as we shift into award season or the time when the awards movies come out uh, this fall. So it's a very interesting conversation that I definitely am not smart enough to have all the answers to. <laughs> but, uh, Brennan, thank you very much for joining me this, this week. And thank you to everyone listening. Uh, we will be back next week to discuss Ready or Not, Angel is Fallen, and many other films. Bye.